With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blanket double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Cheaters and welcome to the Always Cheating Fantasy Premier League podcast. My name is Josh. I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? I'm fine, Josh. But let's let's be clear. Your name is not Josh. It's Al, and I am Jazz Hughes. Alan <laughs> Jazz Hughes coming at you from the Always Cheating podcast. Of course, we got our tickets to Brighton v West Ham on StubHub. And if Jazz and Al Hughes, if you're out there listening, thank you for the great seats. We really enjoyed uh, your view of the Amex. <laughs> That's true. Uh, a, a visit that was almost tainted by by just how badly we had to go to the bathroom. It was. I will never be able to separate the Amex Stadium in Brighton from my own deep and 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 piercing <laughs> desire to, to find the nearest bathroom it was so but slow moving it was ridiculous that that is the experience of a traveling fan right so <laughs> so for those of you who don't know josh and i are just back from our london uk trip four matches in four days second of which was to was to brighton and uh, we traveled with a pack of well, rowdy west Ham fans uh all terrific. Hey, Every we were last drinking beer ourselves. We were having fun. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I feel like as uh, when you're when you're commuting on the train, it f- first know where the exit is. Second, know where the bathroom is. Right, right. So uh, it was. Uh, I mean, yeah, the the, the, the ma- that match itself was probably the least uh, exciting of the four that we went to. Um, we went to uh, Chelsea VD on Thursday. Uh, but by the way, just as a quick note, um, you know, I'm aware that not everyone is so you know. 
enamored with us that they want to hear like all the ins and outs of our trip to London. So we're going to do a special London section at the end of the podcast, right? We've got like a, a lightning round of London trip related questions. So, you know, we'll just talk about it for a second here, but then if you want, our our travels do not hold the mind of the listener, the way in which like an episode of parts unknown would as much as we'd (laughs) like. Exactly. Not Anthony Bourdain level, but it was, it was great. I mean, you know, we went to Stamford bridge, we went to the Amex, we went to, uh, um, Wembley. Wembley. Yeah. And then we went to uh, Craven Cottage, which Craven Cottage w- looked about 190 years older than the other three that we went to. It was <laughs> the, the contrast between Wembley to Craven Cottage. It was am- and I don't mean that in a bad way because I love an old stadium. Tiger Stadium in Michigan where we grew up was a, was a great old stadium, very much like Craven Cottage. The ghosts that we sat next to at Craven Cottage <laughs> were very cheerful. I will say that much. <laughs> exactly, uh, but not not. They weren't a big fan of uh, who was the player that the uh, the ghost Anguisa, was yelling at. Anguisa. Anguisa. There was an old guy over my right shoulder who was just terrorizing Anguisa from the stands all match until right, he was right. pulled pulled off. And then he yeah. followed that up by saying to the entire section, as Fulham was just getting pummeled by Arsenal. All right, Fulham fans, if I told you right now that David Moyes would save us from relegation, would you take it? Yeah. And yeah. It, that was a really dark uh, thought for everyone. It was everyone. a dark time. Yeah. yeah. The match got pretty dark fast, you know, as we'll <laughs> talk about later. Uh, yeah. But I think, you know, if I have it a bite, and by the way, a quick shout out to to Tom Cantle, uh, Nick Wright, James Quirrell, just, and, and Rosie, of course. Uh, you know, a few people that we um, had a little extra time with on the trip and who helped us you know, find our way around London. Uh, it was great to, uh, and it, we, we met a ton of people at the meetup on Saturday night too. I mean, the guys from the, uh, uh, from the planet FPL podcast. And, um, uh, I mean, just an FPL chance, a lot of, I don't want to name, I don't want to start naming people cause I'm going to, I'm going to forget somebody. Um, I don't want anybody to feel like I, I, I skipped them, but we met a ton of great people that night. Absolutely. We did. It was, it was really overwhelming. The people who came out to Edinburgh castle and then, uh, we, we kind of moved the party off to the world's end, which was a fitting, spot for us to to end our meetup so uh, yeah i was great suggestion i was gonna say yeah five days four matches great trip i bought a i bought a barber jacket which i was very excited about uh, I, could, I could do a whole podcast on the purchase of this barber jacket uh, but brandon if i have one abiding memory of this trip one memory that i'm gonna i'm gonna hold on to for the next 10 years yeah it is you and i late at night at the bar and suddenly you burst into an Irish accent and start talking about Conor McGregor. And I don't know what, (laughs) I don't know what is happening. I don't know why, I don't know why you did it. I don't know where it came from, but it was, it was amazing. It was suddenly you were talking, was it even an Irish guy you were talking to? I don't know, but you were talking about Conor McGregor in an Irish accent. If a strange man who is about a foot taller than you at 1 a.m. comes up to you and starts talking about ultimate fighting, you do whatever you can to blend in. And and that was just my survival instinct. Right. Do you have one abiding memory of the trip, Brandon? Yeah, absolutely. My one abiding memory is you and I at halftime at Stamford Bridge during the Europa League match, Chelsea, Vidi. And you got the beers from the... Uh uh, from the little station where they you never yep. see this before the jet stream that shoots the beer up through the bottom of the glass you pull it off the jet stream and there's this little cap that gets sucked very efficient. in and creates a seal yeah, yeah. very efficient yeah. no foam so uh i'm about two-thirds of the way through this beer and i'm looking at the bottom bottom of the cup like how does this work and i go to poke the little cap hole thing and i and i puncture it allowing <laughs> a third of the beer to just spill out the bottom of the cup straight onto my feet 
to, right. to my left, this just it uh, took gr- so long. It felt, I mean, it was like a third of a beer, and yet it took like a full two minutes for it to unfurl. <laughs> while the Com- woman next to you yeah. looked on in complete disgust. She looked on in disgust, but a guy to my right, he looked at me and he kind of uh, snickered and he said, "You ain't the first, and you won't be the last." Uh, so that was a good I, stadium. I was I was impressed with Stamford Bridge. All right, so we had a great trip. More details to come at the end of the podcast, uh, but let's just jump back into it, into the actual FPL football. FPL Chancer asks this pretty broad question, just a gut check. Good mm-hmm. time to review your season so far. Uh, are you happy with how it has gone, or do you have any regrets? So right. uh, international break, heading into game week nine, do you see any major changes that you need to make to your squad uh, starting in game week nine? Are you feeling pretty happy? And and how yeah. how much work did it take us to get to this point? Yeah, I, I am feeling pretty happy. I mean, you know, I have burned the wild card already, but I have all the all the chips intact. I had a great week. I mean, I, f- I feel like we don't need to rehash. Game week eight, it's already a week ago, and um, you know it feels like a let's look ahead to game week nine. But I did finish on eighty five points last game week, and I'm up to fourteen thousand seven hundred in the world, uh, which is um, probably the highest I've been this early in the season um, in years, right? And so it's it's a very exciting feeling to be doing this well this early in the season. I'm actually I'm sitting on two free transfers as well. Um, going into game week nine and so gee you know, everything's big, coming up josh here temporarily yeah it's all gonna <laughs> fall apart so i'm enjoy it while it lasts yeah. uh you know so I, I the the key question here is is mo Salah, who you know obviously we'll talking about more in a minute uh but you know I, I feel pretty good i mean i don't really know what i would change i mean i guess there's a feeling that maybe uh maybe trippier gets dropped long term possibly for mendy possibly for robertson um you know, if Salah gets dropped, is who does he get dropped for? I mean, you know, there's, you know, we have a million questions about KDB on this podcast, but you know, I mean, can I really bring in KDB at 10 million, not knowing if he's truly ready to start playing yet for that team? Like, is he just going to slot right in as a starter? I mean, does he work his way back in with a couple substitute appearances? Yeah. Um, and then even then, even if I made that move, I mean, let's say that Salah's up for a week, right? If I make that move. Um, I mean, Liverpool have great fixtures, so maybe it makes more sense just to go to Sadio Mane, right? Um, mm-hmm. Who's kind of the forgotten man here. Um, picked up an assist over the international break, I mean, for whatever that's worth. Uh, but Sadio Mane, which is kind of the original move that a lot of people considered before he kind of lost his form, $3 million cheaper. Um, but even then, if I got that $3 million, I'm not sure where I would invest it. It still wouldn't be enough for me to upgrade Jimenez to... Um, Lacazette. To Lacazette, you know, so I don't know. But so there, there's some different things that I'm considering. I, I like my team as a whole, though. How about you? Yeah, um, I had a great start to the season and I'm in good shape. I'm in the top 22K overall in the world. And yeah, like you, um, really couldn't ask for a better position at this point of the season. Uh, my problem is, uh, I mean, if you asked me this two weeks ago, I would have said, I have no regrets. I've played this season perfectly to as mm-hmm. far as I'm concerned. But right. Uh, right now I have a really bitter taste in my mouth, and that's because of Ben Me. My first I have made one mistake and it was a big one, and it was turning uh an injured Mendy into Ben Me for the Cardiff Huddersfield uh double header for Burnley, and it blew up in my face. And it's put right. me in a situation where A, Ben Me should have been Doherty or Doherty or Trippier. That was the easy, obvious move, and I got clever and I overthank it. 
uh, I overthought it and over, and over it, overthunk maybe I overthunk it. Um, <laughs> and, and now here I am still sort of, I look at Ben me and I say, I'm now a move behind everybody else because, mm. uh, Burnley have city coming up. He's, he's dead weight on my team and, uh, I'll just be chasing points to bring in who I should have brought in, be it Darty or, um, I mean, Trippier, I agree with you. I think the Spurs wave has crested and, I mean, not even talking about Kane, I think uh, right. you you got the points that you, you really bought when you bought Trippier. And now I think would be a smart time to consider moving him on to uh, uh, Liverpool or the City Premium Defender. So, yeah, uh, overall happy. But now I feel like I have my work cut out for me. So, uh, right. Uh, yeah, that's that's where I feel I am going into game week nine. Yeah, and I I think uh, I think that's a feeling that um, I think a lot of people have right now. I mean, I think I think that there's a um, consensus building around certain players to have. I mean, it feels like you know the differences are kind of at the margins right now. With maybe you have Richarlison, maybe you have Frazier. Um, there's a couple different. Maybe you have Madison. Ames, maybe you have Jimenez. You know, um, yeah. There's like a few a few different like kind of pivot points. You know. Um, you know, Matt Doherty, I, I, and by the way, I know that I'm mispronouncing his last name, and I'm just going to keep rolling with it. So sorry, everybody. Uh, Matt D, Matty D, uh, he's only owned it by 11.6% of managers. I mean, I don't know how somebody can pick up, was it 37, 39? He has 41 points in his last four games, uh, and somehow he's still owned by 11.6% of managers. It well, I, 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 don't, I don't think that's very fair to say. This is a, a Wolves defense that people – I mean, people rated the the team Wolves going into the season, but the defense we didn't know what to make of. Doherty comes in and scores a glorious own goal. So that sets him back. People weren't rating him at that point, Um, even though we did see that he was very active on the wing. But there are a lot of moves that people have had to make over the last couple of weeks and up to more than 11% ownership. I think that's still big for a promoted team right back. Well, it, it, yeah, big for a team right back. I mean, but that like that removes all the context from me. And this is a guy who is on a team that's shown himself to be pretty strong defensively, and he's bombing forward all the time. I mean, I could I could definitely see not having him at the start of the season. I didn't have him at the start of the season, but I feel like that that clean sheet away to West Ham uh, picks you know picks up six, and then you know picking up twelve at home to Brighton in game week five. I feel like that's when people. I don't know. I mean, granted, he's he was at, he was at like owned by like one percent a few weeks ago, and so he's picked up ten. Yeah, this this is I'm what I'm saying. I'm saying the growth to eleven plus percent is the growth that you're talking about. Yeah, it just still feels a bit low to me, but uh, fair enough. Don't fair, please, please <laughs> keep keep that ownership low. I mean, it's great for me. Like, I love that he is he's his ownership is that low because he's he's an unbelievable fantasy asset at the moment, uh, even with some difficult fixtures to come. I think he's uh, he's actually kind of a perfect. He's a perfect like, third slash fourth midfielder. You know, you can kind of yeah. play him in any fixture because you can always, you know, possibly get an assist from him late in a match or something like that. Yeah. All right. We're going to talk a, a lot more specifically about individual players, but I think the the feeling I have now looking forward is is um, fear and uncertainty. Like like you were <laughs> saying, Josh, we have known quantities at this point. This is Cesar's season right now. This is a solid troll season at the moment, uh, but we have a lot of. Uh, players who have played great roles for us, like Fraser or Madison or, or even Doherty. And we, it, 
it's unclear how far they will take us through the rest of the season. So I think now heading into game week nine, it's that point in the season where we're having to make uh, harder decisions, if if you know what I mean. So yep. I, I guess that's what we're going to try and parse in this episode is is looking ahead. What are the hard decisions and, and how can we best sort of uh, – put it all in perspective. Right. And, and Salah is the, is the hardest decision of all. I, I think, you know, we're, because we don't know exactly what the issue is there, I, I'm going to treat it like, like to the severity that I expect that it is, which is a mild injury that may keep him out of the Huddersfield match, but won't be a long-term uh, issue. Right. Yeah. I think that's like, that's like, that seems to be the consensus opinion. If you read like the Liverpool Echo or kind of, you know, search online or, you know, Ben Dinnery, like it, it, that seems to be the the consensus. Although, you know, who really knows, right? I mean, we know he got sent home from the Egypt squad, um, that he's back in uh, Liverpool now. So this you know, is so, the Egypt squad that he threatened to quit over the summer. This is not a squad <laughs> that he loves playing for. So the sight of Salah right. saying, I don't want to go back on the pitch. I'm going to walk down the tunnel now. Yes, it could mean that he has uh, an injury that's going to keep him out for a couple of weeks, but also B, it could just be him saying, I don't want to be here anymore. Wow, that's that's casting some major aspersions, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Always cheating Super League. Let's let's read out the top ten. Why don't you read it, Brandon? You've got a you've got a better voice than me. You start from the ten. Uh, start from starting the from ten with my booming voice. Uh, uh John McMahon. At 10th place, ninth place, Martin Telhagen. Eighth, it's Matt Frisky. Moving up to seventh place, Eric Nyhauser. Fifth place, Dave G. Also tied in fifth place, Andrew McKinnon. Fourth place, Nikolai Zugalin. And in third place, it's Guy Guy. That's a that's a double name. I wonder what I wonder where <laughs> Guy Guy hails from. In second place, it's Luke Mitch Whaley. And still holding firm in first place, it's Richard Inkvist. With a, a total of 618 points, I will I will note that Luke Mitch Whaley is just one point behind Richard with a right. huge game week score well, of 88. Richard, yeah, we, we didn't talk about this, even though we we saw this match at Wembley. But you know, Richard was one of the one of the many who brought in Harry Kane in advance of that match, um, and uh, and captained him and was sort of uh, you know suffered as a result of the the one pointer for Kane. So um, yeah, tough spot, tough, tough tough spot there for a lot of managers. Um, I actually don't know if we have a question about it, but I mean, if you had Kane right now, and I'm, I'm going to get to, I want to get into into the proper section in a second here. But if you had Kane, you would just hold him, right? I mean, would you drop him after one week? No, I think I, you got to hold him. Yeah, you have to. You have to um, back yourself. You have to back that play. And yeah, you know, we. I think on this podcast, we haven't shown a lot of love for Harry Kane. Neither of us have really been tempted to bring him in. Um, but he's still a class striker. I mean, his his problem is that yeah. he's just he's looking a little ragged. But you have to back that play. Yeah, I mean, I would even consider him as a possible captain away to West Ham in game week nine. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, there's every reason to think that he'll do well. It's unfortunately he played a full ninety minutes in the. Uh, uh, the, uh, he just refuses uh, to sit match. this man i know it's so uh like someone's gotta talk to him or just or just say <laughs> no like why is he playing in that match they just don't need him uh. do you think it's like the movie speed where you know if they stop the bus the bus will explode like harry yeah. kane is if he stops playing he's just gonna blow up i think that's probably how he feels actually i think he probably feels like 
he's got to stay in form, you know. And yeah, but he's not like, in form. That's the whole thing. He's but it's not like, in it's form. like a, I know. But it's like it's like the gambler's fallacy. You know, it's like this. It's like he keeps you know he keeps going out there and he's like you know he's he's, he's playing roulette and he keeps betting on red, you know, and he just he goes out there and, just, and it's just black, 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 and he's like it's going to be red next time. Just put me out there, coach. I'll score next time. You know, <laughs> right, just, right, right. Yeah. So. A uh, couple Patreon thank yous. Uh, new Volkswagen patron. Thank you to Stevens Williams. Thank you, Stevens. Uh, new Lord Sorloth patron. Thank you to Roy Moore. Uh, we have two, uh, three new Ambicani patrons. Stephen Griffin, Jeff DeMasso, and Paul. Uh, the mysterious Paul with no last name. Thank you to the, the three of you. Brandon, we have our suicide pool contest or perhaps survivor pool. I, I think suicide pool sounds cooler, but, you know, survivor pool, <laughs> whatever. Uh, starting in game week 10. This is a feature exclusive to for Patreon supporters. Anyone who joins the next two weeks can also uh, take part in this. Uh, basically, you pick one team each week. Uh, and if that team uh, wins or draws, you survive to the next round, uh, and you can't pick that team a second time, right? So yeah, we're uh, using the, a we're using a new site, and Josh, you sent me the invite earlier today. I've already gone in and made all my picks for the next uh, twenty game weeks. Uh, I, that's, so, that's very I optimistic. Pro- yeah, yeah. But the, the site is cool. You can make all your picks if you want, and you can tweak them on the fly. So you're not. I'm, I'm not committed to full locked twenty in. weeks. Yeah, yeah, I'm not locked in. Yeah. So I'll be sending an email out this week to all our Patreon supporters and the information. That's a Patreon supporter at any pledge level, by the way. Uh, so that's a lot. That's a fun contest. And the winner of that will get a new Always Cheating t-shirt. Uh, and we just emailed all of our uh, – uh, our, our Volkswagen and producer supporters earlier today, Brandon, and you did that is, and um, and got their shirt sizes. So T-shirts are, are coming out very, very, very yeah, soon. Yeah, f- funny. Uh, we're, awesome. we're sending out a lot of 4XL T-shirts. So we have we have the <laughs> largest listenership out there. It's unreal. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's really, <laughs> just and very across the world, too. It's a large listeners in any, we're, every continent. It's we're a really, big, we're a big sleep shirt uh, <laughs> podcast. One, one last bit of housekeeping here. We have a new contest, again, for patreon supporters with our friends at starting 11 the daily fantasy app they are sponsoring our retro kit contest so if you're a patreon supporter you're in our patreon fpl league and at the end of each month whoever for that month has the uh, best fpl score so starting in october at the end of october whoever has the most points our friends at starting 11 are going to send you a free retro shirt of your choice from 3retro.com. So for that and more, just go to patreon.com slash alwayscheating, and uh, we welcome you there. All right, Brad, let's take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk about what I think is the the kind of the big question for this game week. Not that everyone is even on their wild card right now, but um, the question is, if you were on your wild card, what would your team look like uh, going into game week nine? And I think by talking about that, we'll end up talking about Sala and and Aguero and KDB and uh, lots of other players. So take a break. We'll get right back. All right, Brandon, we're back. Part one, inspired by Anders Javi. If you were wildcarding right now, who would you have? Um, you have a couple big picture questions that I want to talk about first. Uh, these are questions that we got from listeners, but I think they sort of feed into this, this wildcard question. So the first one is from uh, Ishan Ghosh. Uh, it says, for those of us who have a wild card in hand, what's the best play? Uh, do we take the plunge now with the solid injury? Do we wait until the game week return of KDB, whenever that is? Or do we hold until game week 15 when Spurs fixtures turn? Uh, I like this idea of Spurs fixtures turning. Uh, it's, 
I don't think that my wild card would hinge on Spurs because they're not they're not exactly in form right now. So I'm not sure right. that I would build my wild card decisions around game week 15. And I, I don't know if I still had my if uh, if I still had my wild card now, which I don't. I think I'm holding because the big question right now, the big move that you might be looking to make is Salah out. And there is no team surgery that needs to happen to get rid of Salah. This is a no-nonsense move if we need to make it. Now, of course, there we are still waiting for a lot of information right. before we actually but choose th- to drop him. Is, is this a possible blessing in disguise, though, this this Salah injury? Or whatever it is. I mean, is this is this the push that we all finally need? I, I guess, Brandon, I didn't want to do it, but I guess, I guess we're going to talk about Salah right off the bat because it has to be done, right? Okay. So, you know, I just... No, I mean, no, let me jump right in here and say, no, this is not what we needed because I don't want to <laughs> learn this lesson, Josh. Okay. I've stuck okay. with Salah for too long. I deserve this. I deserve points for, <laughs> from Salah, okay? This isn't about you. This isn't about anybody else listening. This is about me. Yeah, it's come up black three fixtures in a row. It's going to come up red on the next fixture, right? So we got we got to hold one more week. It, it, I, I like the idea of finally an injury forcing our hand for something that's clearly not been working out the last couple of weeks. That's Four said, to five game weeks. It, why does it have to happen right now, right before we have Huddersfield and Cardiff? The two fixtures <laughs> in which the only two fixtures for, I mean, maybe right. maybe Fulham in game week, uh, game week 12 that's coming up. So those are yeah. three out of the next four are the reason that you have a 13 million pound premium <laughs> like Salah. Not yeah. now. I can't take it. I I don't want to drop him either. I, my preference would be to hold, and I, I I don't know what I honestly don't know what I'm going to do yet. And uh, you know, we'll wait a couple of days to find out how how severe it is. I have to admit, I'm kind of. I mean, as much as I love Salah, and and I you know I like the Liverpool team. If he was out for a couple of weeks, four weeks, let's say, I don't know, it would not disappoint me too much. It would be like I, this this like feeling that I've been having the last few games, because so many of us have. Of like, is it really a great idea to invest thirteen million into a midfielder? You know, into someone who you may have just—I mean, he's obviously still a great player this year, but maybe he just maybe it really was lightning in a bottle to a degree, you know. And maybe it was always unrealistic to expect him to get, you know, twenty-five, thirty goals, and you know, especially when he's not on penalties. Um, and at thirteen million, you just you need a very consistent returns, you know, um, to to justify that cost. I and mean, even you know, you can get basically the same thing from Raheem Sterling for. Two million cheaper, you know, as we talked about in, in recent podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's possible that you can get almost the same thing from Sadio Mane, who's three million cheaper. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's just a tricky thing, and I, I feel like the, the scales have kind of fallen from my eyes the last week or so. And you know, I was holding on for so long, and partially because just the, the the statistics, you know, around him were fantastic, right? I mean, they pointed to the most threatening attacking player in the game right yeah. like the player who was like the most likely to get a goal or an assist in the game yeah um and that that has not stopped being true <laughs> and yet there's no way to watch him with your eyes you yeah. know and not feel like it's not the same as it was last year you know that he's it's kind of like that Riyad Mahrez season four years ago you know yeah. that unbelievable season um that second year it just was the magic it wasn't quite there and he actually bounced back the following season um but there's you know I don't know. So 
It's a, it's a good comparison. Do you feel the same or? Yeah, I, I do feel the same. And the Maras thing is a good comparison because I think you saw his form after that miracle season with Lester, where you know there would be mid-season pockets of form for Maras, and everyone would sort of buy in on him, maybe get a few points here or there, and it, it's looking like that will that will likely be Salah this season. There will be a point right. midway through the season where Salah will go on a run, and we'll have to ask this question again. I think the you're you're one of two managers, right? You're a manager that doesn't have Salah and you're feeling fantastic right now. Or you're like <laughs> us and you're feeling miserable because we're 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 just that close. We're that close to finally getting our due with him, but yet so far at this point. So it's 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 a tough position to find ourselves in. And I am envious of the people who either never got on board or uh, ditch Salah a few weeks ago, if only for the yeah. fact that it's kind of saving you one decision heading into game week nine. When I have to make my Ben Me decision, now I'm stuck here yeah. making a solid decision. Yeah, this is this is where having the two freeze helps because I feel like I can I, I could I could make a move for Salah and then still make a move elsewhere. Um, I, you know, it's funny the 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 Salah to to Mane move wasn't really something that I was considering um, until we started talking on the podcast. But I wonder if that, just given their fixtures, if that maybe is the way to go. I think like, it let's has say to that be. Sal- yeah. yeah, like let's say that Solid, uh, yeah, exactly. Because let's say that Solid doesn't play um, at Huddersfield, but the injury isn't that bad, right? So suddenly Solid plays in the Champions League game at midweek. Um, maybe he gets rested again the following week. You could be in a situation where you want to Salah, <laughs> and you actually he actually starts playing again, but you still wow. miss him for two Premier League fixtures. Wow, dude, that's uh, like a Japanese be... horror film you're describing to me right now. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, and we're still talking about a player who's blanked in three of the last four too. Uh, so yeah. it's, I mean, I, we like patience is a virtue. It's it's a real balancing act because you know like we had our ten tips for FPL success at the start of the season and you know the first rule was was pay, it's like Fight Club right like rule one is patience and rule two is patience mm-hmm. but you know at some point you do have to acknowledge you know <laughs> that a, that a player is not working out you know yeah. and um, you don't you know, we don't just hold everybody for thirty eight weeks right so I mean I think there is you know we might be reaching that point with with Salah whether or not he's uh, whether or not the injury is you know really severe. Yeah, the alternative to money that people are coming around to online would be Shakiri, and uh, I, right. I, I just don't. I find that one that is just a punt. It's a punt that could work out, but I think money is much more assured if we're talking about yeah. like for like Firmino, perhaps another option to get in on the Liverpool strike force. Another curious thing, though, is the James Milner injury, and how is right. also that going to compound? everything that's going on with the Liverpool attack. So suddenly we're in a situation where this Liverpool lineup in game week nine could look remarkably different than anything we've seen all season. Yeah. And it's, it's sad that we can't even talk about Firmino, but he just does not look like the same player this season. I mean, you know, two goals and two assists and eight fixtures for him. I mean, this, this is a player who had, you know, what, 15 goals and eight assists last year, 11 goals and 11 assists the season before that. Um, it is not the same Firmino. And I don't know if it's because he has to drop back more. I mean, the Firmino doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's obsessed with scoring, you know? I mean, I think mm-hmm. we've seen that before. You know, like there was the moment last season where – I can't remember who it was now. Was it Mane? He like basically let someone score a goal, right? He had like a tap in <laughs> and he sort of lifted his foot and let the ball, you know, roll in without touching it. Which, you know, that just like for a striker is, you know, antithetical to the the way that they think about the game. 
Um, so yeah, I, and I mean, yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, Shakiri is a complete non-starter. I have absolutely no um, desire to have him in my team, and God knows how many minutes you'd get from him, how yeah. often he'd start. It's just you know, I think the the only move to me would be if you're going to drop him would be to. Um, you know, to, to, to Mane or obviously to one of the Man City uh, midfielders, you know, if yep. you don't have them already. Yeah. That that being, you know, Sterling, who's the, kind of the obvious choice, 11.1 million. Um, or um, I don't know about David Silva. You know, I mean, KDB is the is the real punty one, you know, is 9.7 million. But as we said at the beginning of the podcast, I mean, is this guy starting? Like, even is, if is he, he starting in game week nine, even if know. he does start, I think um, I think it was Ben Dinnery's Twitter feed who said who counted the days uh, last time KDB had a similar knee injury. He was out for 66 days and he came back, started that next week and scored in the 57th minute against Bournemouth mm-hmm. or at least played 57 minutes and scored a goal. So yeah. it, it, it's not it's not at all outside the realm of possibility that KDB comes okay. in and pours on the attacking points. But it it. It's it's a punt, uh, plain and simple. It's a punt. Yeah, it's an expensive amount of money to spend on a punt. Yeah, you yeah. know. So yeah. yeah, I think we we've got a more detailed section on mids coming up. But just to step back to the big picture question, I think um, for Ishan, the only reason I'm wild carding right now is if I don't have Eden Hazard and I need team surgery. Beyond that, I yeah. I, I don't see. Uh, having made it through eight game weeks, I don't see why you couldn't just hold on to it a bit longer when some of these other uh, uh, looming questions that we hinted at earlier in the start of the show come, come to be answered. You know, not, not knowing what his team looks like, you know, it's a hard one to answer obviously, but uh, you know, just as someone who was in a similar position two weeks ago uh, where I didn't need to, I did not need to wildcard, you know, and I had two free transfers and I could have just, use those and, and short up my team. And I decided to, to be a little bolder and just play the wild card. And I just felt like fundamentally my team was not where it needed to be. Um, and I jumped from, you know, 150 K to 15 K, uh, in two game weeks. And I feel like I really, you know, I mean, I don't know. I just felt like I was, I, I looked at the, I, you know, just, it felt like the, the time was right to sort of invest in players who are, who are about to rise, you know, mm-hmm. and like, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the overlooked teams. Like maybe a wild card right now is the time when you load up on, I don't want to say load up. Maybe you pick up like a Newcastle player. Maybe you bring it, pick up a West Ham player. You know, maybe you pick up a, a Brighton player. Um, you know, and if you feel like your squad like at the on the bench isn't that strong, um, I mean, I went from no no Wolverhampton players to three on my wild card. Um, you know, which felt very regressive, but has worked out you know super well. Um, so I, I don't know. I think I think there is something to be said for for just wild carding now and and just and just getting in early on some of these guys. You just know, Ishan. You know when it's time. Right? <laughs> exactly. Here's an interesting yeah, question. Here's an interesting question from Vinyl Richie talking about wildcarding or looking ahead. Uh, Vinyl Richie asks, the next five to ten game weeks, it looks like viable captain options are players from Chelsea, Liverpool, and City due to consistent returns, high ceiling, form, and fixtures. Are there other captaincy options in those teams other than Hazard, Salah, and Aguero? Spurs and Kane are an outside shout, but I don't feel Kane is going to be owned by too many after this game week. So right. if if you're looking to to move some of your premium players around, are there any premium players outside of Hazard, Salah, and Aguero that we are targeting for captaincy options? Sterling would, of course, be a good place to start. Yep. I mean, uh, Man City played Burnley and Southampton at home in two of the next three fixtures. 
Um, you know, there are some Champions League considerations there as well. But um, I mean, right now, my my captain is on Aguero. And um, if I had Sterling and I didn't have Aguero, my captaincy would be on Sterling. Um, so I, I, you know, I think that he's definitely consideration. Um, KDB seems too risky to me. I mean, if he comes back in game week nine and starts to play well, uh, then I might consider maybe not in game week 10 cause they're away to Spurs, but, um, you know, game week 11, they're home to Southampton and that's another, you know, match where you definitely would want a captain, um, you know, one of, one of your players from, uh, uh, for Man City. So, um, yeah, I think that I actually feel a little undercovered with Man City right now, uh, with just, with just Aguero. Um, I feel like I, this run of theirs where it's like they haven't, I guess they just played away to Liverpool, but, mm-hmm. uh, it feels like they just have like an unending run of amazing home fixtures. <laughs> this is some of the yeah. worst teams in the league. No temptation of, uh, uh yeah. David Silva. Well, just, I think his minutes are getting managed a lot. I mean, you yep. know, a, a guy in our, our mini league has had a great season and that was kind of his, his Ben me move was, was bringing in David Silva, you know, and it came back to cost him, uh, you know, cost him a little bit. And I just think, I don't know. I, I, I would rather pay the extra money for, for Sterling, yeah. um, you know, or maybe if I wanted, if I couldn't quite get to that amount of money, um, then I would at least try to bring in, um, KDB because I would just rather have KDB over over Sylvie even if that is a bit of a punt. All right, so do we consider Sadio Mane a captaincy option if we bring him in? Are you, would you captain Sadio Mane in game week nine against Huddersfield? I don't know. Maybe game week ten at home to Cardiff or game week twelve at home to Fulham. I mean, right? Yeah. I mean, if he uh, he's a form player. I mean, at the start of the, the first three weeks of the season, he was unbelievable, right? Yeah. I mean, he was like the, one of the best fan, like maybe next to Benjamin Mendy, like the best fantasy asset in the game. Um, you know, his form dipped a little bit, but he, you know, he did pick up an assist over the international break, which I know isn't much, but at least like proves that he's, you know, what, still attacking. And um, in I mean, Senegal, an assist is basically worth two goals. So I don't know if you've ever played ex- Senegalese FPL, but. I, yeah, I have actually. So it's, um, yeah, I, you're, you're very right. Uh, I mean, but you know, game week 12 at home to follow. I mean, they, Liverpool might score like 27 goals in that home match uh, against Fulham. Uh, I really want to be tripled up on Liverpool going into game week 12. And then they play a way to, uh, way to offer in a game week 13 too. Yep. I mean, someone like Andrew Robertson would be an interesting punt at, you know, at home to Fulham in game week 12. So, yeah. So where are um, we on I, the uh, yeah. captain, a defender show? Because the, the only other Chelsea asset that jumps out to me, apart from Hazard is Marcus Alonso. Yeah, his 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 form has been a little different as of late. I pulled this from FPL statistics Twitter feed. So first yeah. first four game weeks of the season, Alonso has 134 touches in the final third game weeks, five through eight, only 69 touches penalty area touches okay. first four weeks, 16. And that's three penalty touches uh, the last four weeks and uh, shots on goal 12 through the first four game weeks, just three in the last four. So it's a it's a pretty stark comparison between the recent right. Alonzo and the start of the season Alonzo. But OK, but if you had a seven million midfielder who picked up six points in two of the last three fixtures, that would not be the area you'd be looking to to move. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's got yep. two clean sheets and three. Always, always a bit of a goal threat there. They play, you know, Burnley, Palace, and Everton in three of their next four. Um, I, to me, Alonzo is not a problem, and he's and he's owned by forty six point one percent of managers too. So if you drop him and he does anything, you're in huge trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, from an overall rank perspective, and really even in your mini leagues, I, I'm sure that it would come back to hurt you. So, um, yeah, I, I just have no desire to drop Alonzo at the moment. 
Yeah, nor nor I, uh, nor I. Okay, so Captain C, uh, disgust. Consumption disgust. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one last question before we move on to uh, positions. Uh, this question about team structure from Legomane. Uh, he says, how important do you feel a balanced team structure is? Uh, the past two seasons, I've largely ignored the mid-fr- mid-priced midfielders bracket in favor of heavy hitters and premium defenders. Um, I feel this particular imbalance has wrecked havoc with my overall uh, rank returns. Uh, so what do you think, Brandon? Balance structure is key. Absolutely. And I think we're, yeah. we're in great shape this season in terms of really decent mid-priced options in the Heavy midfield yes. and with yep. strikers. One of our recent pods, we basically went down this epic list of strikers. <laughs> we, we were cheap strikers. Yeah, yeah. Cheap strikers. I mean, heading to the Amex, I had to make a choice between Arnie or Glenn Murray and you were pushing me hard. Uh, Were you ever really considering it? I was pushing Murray hard, but I don't know if you ever really bought it. No, I, I didn't. Um, I, I didn't. And then when he scored in the thirtieth minute, I wanted, I wanted to look, look at you, but I, had, I stared stone faced straight ahead. I just, I, I didn't want you to, I didn't want to get. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, well, I made that nervous <laughs> laugh of like, Haha, that was a lucky goal. <laughs> Surely Arnie is going to do something in this match. When Brighton let yeah. West Ham play like for the entire second half, they just weren't able to do it. But yeah, uh, tons of mid-price <laughs> options. And Lego Mane, you, I, I feel like we need to be incredibly flexible this season. And I don't think at this point we could even say what the best formation it is that we play. 4-4-2, four, four, uh, yeah. 3-5-2. Well, yeah. I'm not so good at math. Anyway, basically week to week, <laughs> you can play a different yeah. formation. Uh, in your FPL side, and this almost this does feel like the season for a classic three four three. Though I, you know, I, just looking at my team right now, I mean, I've got you know one expensive striker, two mid price strikers. I've got two expensive midfielders, um, two two mid price midfielders, and one cheapy and, and Hoiberg at four point five. Uh, two expensive defenders, one one kind of mid priced, and then two cheap. Um, I mean, that is like the classic for three, four, three kind of formation. Um, you know, I guess the, the question is whether, um, you know, whether we think that defenders are still the way to go. Like, I think that there is something to be said for a four, three, three. Um, I'm not like, neither of us are like five at the back people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, there, you're certainly getting consistent enough attack or returns from, from those, those fullbacks that it is the year of the fullback, Brandon, in case you didn't know. Uh, so I, I do think that there's. <laughs> that patent is still pending. I need, need to get approved. <laughs> um, so I do think you could go with four at the back. And I'm actually surprised I don't see more four at the back rotations. I think that that is a totally viable strategy. Yeah, I agree. Um, and yeah, uh, yeah. I had Ings for a while up front. And you have Raul Jimenez. We have strikers right now that are cheap enough where if if you're not feeling them for the, a particular game week, you bench them and you go 4-4-2 four, four, uh, or or three five two. It's no problem. It was it, for Ings to go out of his way to make you feel okay. He's such a with great that guy. Ings to Arnie transfer. He was a great yeah, guy. Dropping he Ings for Arnie to, for yeah. a one pointer, and then uh, we're we're sitting at the Enterprise in Camden, uh, um, trying to recuperate. And Ings had numerous <laughs> chances. Six one. Numerous uh, chances. Personal full impression. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I was relieved that Ings didn't bury me uh, with a goal against Chelsea. All right, Brandon. Let's get let's get right into. You did not get buried, and and we're all happy for that. So let's keep talking <laughs> about forwards. Uh, Juan Aguito says, "Is Laka a serious option?" 
Uh, yeah, I suppose he is. I mean, if if you're talking yeah. about form, Laka is right. is right up. And there. if we're talking about a wild card, right? If you're talking about like if you're on a wild card right now, you know, if I was on a wild card right now, I would definitely be looking at Lacazette. Yeah, and let's Arsenal's fixtures: Leicester, Palace, Liverpool in game week eleven, which is a flag, and then Wolves and Bournemouth for the next two. Still great fixtures for him. Looks like he's got that position nailed. So sure, yep. why not? I, you can't make a case against it other than I've just got a bad feeling about Arsenal. It was encouraging that that Mkhitaryan, if you're if you're Lacazette out, it was encouraging that Mkhitaryan and Lacazette played together. Now, granted, Mesut was out with with one of his many uh, illnesses and injuries, but um, he's the Bob Duca of FPL. <laughs> That's a joke that no one will get except you. That yeah. no one, only Comedy Bang Bang uh, fans will get that one. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, you know, the fact that, uh, but you know, going into the season, there was a feeling that that Mkhitaryan and Lacazette were competing for the same spot. Um, and the first couple of weeks, um, you know, Lacazette came off the bench, and then Mkhitaryan, you know, yeah, and then and Mkhitaryan was starting. Um, and then I think it was that Cardiff fixture that was the first time that Lacazette started. And he, had, he really, you know, he earned a spot and uh, he hasn't lost it since. And it mm-hmm. seems like um, the team is now sort of built around built around him in some ways, right? Sure. I mean, not maybe not built around him, but certainly uh, built around uh, formation with him as the uh, as the central striker. Yep, yep. Him as a number nine, a number nine, and an attacking team as attacking as Arsenal is great. So. Yeah, all for only nine point six million. Ozil has got to be the biggest yeah. disappointment for me this season. <laughs> not a, not as, as a human a, being, as a human being too. But he had so <laughs> much potential. He's shown it a couple of game weeks. Of course, the game weeks after I drop him from my yeah. squad. But if he just had his head on right, and for whatever ailments he might have, he could just be the best FPL asset this season. But it's not to be. I know. Yeah. He should be. Yeah. He and Kevin De Bruyne, right? Should be like the the great, like seven goal, 18 assist. Yeah. You know, right. <laughs> year in, year out assets. Um, all right. So, uh, yeah, we both think he's an option. That, that his price point is a little tricky. Um, I think it's hard to, um, it's hard to have him without on a wild card. You could do it without a wild card. It, like for me, I actually would with two transfers. I was kind of thinking about it, but there's really no way for me to do it without making three transfers. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, God, like, am I really like, am I really like reinventing my entire team just to have Lacazette in it? Like, am I that sold on him? Seems a bit much. And my yeah. feel, the feeling is no, exactly. Um, although that is the interesting question about um, if it, let's say we all drop Salah this week. Let's say it turns out that he's got a ACL. And he's out for six months or something like that. Um, even if I like free up cash, like let's say I bring in two or three million, there's not to me an immediate place where I would put that money. Like maybe I upgrade Madison to some, you know, I don't know. There's like, there's not like a logical, there's not like these like eight million, nine million midfielders and strikers that I'm like just dying to bring in. I guess I could like upgrade a, a defender to Robertson or something well, you, like that. Well, we were just you know? talking about the obvious thing to do. You upgrade one of your strikers to Lacazette. Right, but I'm saying that it's it's even then it's too much money, right? Like I would need I would need more like if, if I upgraded, I guess I could upgrade Mitrovic uh to to Lacazette. Um but is that even like I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, that actually brings us to the next question. Yeah. From, from what a Rohan segue. Or, uh, what a brilliant Robert. segue. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's like we organized that. Uh, it says, the fire sale on Mitrovic is confusing. Uh, Fulham have some good-looking fixtures coming up, and he has due some goals. He is. He's uh, he's uh, right at the top of, uh, of 
uh, Joe's Joe from uh, Scouts uh, Goals Eminent Table. So um, he says, "Am I missing something?" Uh, yeah, well, the the fire sale on Mitrovic is because Fulham just look like complete relegation fodder at the moment. The team is a basket case, so I think that's why people are panicking <laughs> with him. Yeah, I did catch. Yeah. Uh, Brendan says this as a as a panicking Fulham fan. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Every Fulham fan is <laughs> is slamming their hand on the panic button right now. I did happen to catch the the second half of Serbia v Romania in the League of Nations Cup. And we all caught it, sure. Yeah, <laughs> and Mitrovic was doing his his Mitrovic thing. He was uh, softly chesting balls down in the penalty area and and slapping yeah. them right at the keeper. So he is in form. The only problem, the only question, is what kind of form is Fulham in. And if you look at their fixtures coming up, I do agree. It's time to keep the faith with Mitrovic, Cardiff, Bournemouth, Huddersfield. These teams all have uh, very soft defenses, and I'd expect him to return. Yeah. And, and going back to the point you were going to make about dropping Lacazette or dropping Mitrovic for Lacazette, I think it, if everything goes Fulham's way, I think it would be pretty tight. Sort of a yeah. sort of a wash between Lacazette and Mitrovic over the next four game weeks. Yeah. With with two transfers in hand, my the the move. If I do drop Salah this week, um, which I might do anyway, no matter what we find out injury wise, uh, I think the move would actually be to hold on to one transfer uh, and then have two next week, and then decide whether or not to yeah. um, drop Mitchell. I kind of feel like I'm going to give Mitchell one last week, yeah. right? Like I I, I just don't want to drop. Mitch, I mean, Fulham is they're an attacking team. His price is reasonable, and they're away to Cardiff in game week nine. It just doesn't feel like the right time to drop him. But I also will have if he blanks again. That's three blanks in a row when there are a lot of forwards that are that are scoring you know a ton of goals. Mm-hmm. Like even going back to Josh King would be you know a yep. possibility I consider. Yep. Fulham as they're constituted under Jakanovic, the only way they're getting points in the league is by scoring goals. They're not going to win points by defending. My issue with Mitrovic will happen when Jukanovic gets fired. Uh, when he gets the sack, they'll bring in the the standard save us from relegation tactic will be we're playing defense first. <laughs> yeah. And that's when I will be right. going to be very scared of Mitro. Uh, hey, they worked for Leicester and they won the league the following season. Yeah. Uh, that is my second Leicester reference in, 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 and one podcast, Brandon, to the, the legendary Leicester title winning team. Yeah. What I'm saying, Brandon, is in 2019-20, that season, Fulham will be the champions of the Premier wow, League. Wow, what a season that's going to be. I'll look forward to it. That's good. All right, we have <laughs> a series of questions on Sergio Cunaguero here. First one is from Jonathan Pedersen. Just one simple question. Aguero out and Lacazette in. Reason, Aguero always getting subbed out before 70 minutes and Lacazette is on fire. Does it worry you, the substitution pattern with Aguero? No, not really. Uh, I mean, he's still scoring goals. Uh, if he wasn't scoring goals or racking up assists, then I guess I'd be more worried. But I mean, what am I going to drop Sergio Aguero before the Burnley home match and a Southampton home match into the next three? I mean, he took the he took the international break off. It didn't play. Uh, he's been chilling in L.A., uh, which, you know, is uh, I don't know. That sounds like fun. Right. Sure. Um, and uh, and Jesus has been playing the internationals for Brazil. Um, so Jesus has been busy. He's been chilling. He's going to come back rested. I mean, that's like, it's like the dream. I keep saying this. I mean, I know that, I know that he blanked away to Liverpool, but blanking away to Liverpool is, is there's no shame in that. And, you know, before that blank, he had 8.6 points, 7.6 points, 
not to mention the 20 pointer game week two. Yeah. Um, you know, five goals and four assists in the season. It, it, the season has only been a disappointment viewed through the lens of that 20 point haul in game <laughs> week two. I mean, other, otherwise, yeah. it's a pretty solid, cons- it's, it's better than Salah's season so far. Yeah, I can see the argument where a, a lot of matches during the, the weekend, all the goals are getting scored in the last 20 minutes. But that's not the way Manchester City plays. Manchester City buries teams. Generally, in the first half, particularly teams that are that are pushovers, and Aguero is not yeah. a guy who is going to get the one goal that he gets in the dying embers of the match. He's going to score four goals against Newcastle within the time frame of what, like twenty-two minutes or whatever that is. Right. He doesn't, yeah, he doesn't exactly. require a whole lot of time, so I think he is a bit of an outlier where that's concerned. Yeah, and he's just not that expensive, right? I mean, he's eleven million, but. I mean, at 11 million, that, that's like a five goals and four assists is a pretty solid return. Um, you know, this is not like Robin Van Persie level 12.5 million. I'm doing like all deep cuts tonight, Brandon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I just think I think his price is reasonable. I think you're getting what you yeah. want from that for that price, and and you also have two surefire opportunities to captain him in the, in the next three game weeks. So, um, yeah, he's not going anywhere. I. The Lacazette thing to me is um, I would just try to get them both, um, but I do not consider Lacazette a replacement for, yeah. for Aguero. Uh, two more questions with, uh, regarding another uh, possible substitution for Aguero. FPL Drunk and Mark Perez asking the same question. Is mm-hmm. Sterling cover for Aguero? So say you're dropping Aguero for Lacazette and then you bring in okay. Sterling for Sala. Are you feeling at all comfortable with this? Uh, I, I think we'll agree that uh, no. <laughs> not really not an no. emphatic no uh, i suppose not an emphatic no i think it's like doable but yeah not an emphatic no but not something i want to do either yeah so i feel like that's kind of a conservative answer there but i i just don't it's not like a move i'm chomped at the bit partially because as i mentioned before i'm just i'm not totally sold on lacazette still I mean, he looked awesome in the match we, we saw. I mean, he scored a brace. Uh, he looked really dominant, but they were playing Fulham, you know. Yeah, uh, yep. I think that has to be that has to be factored in a little bit too. And you know, two weeks off for the break, sometimes that you know that cools people down a little bit. So I, I don't know. I, I I'm not like I I like Lacazette. I wish I had him in my team, uh, but not not over Aguero. Yeah, Sterling is eleven point one million now. He's only he only has three blanks on the season, and one of those blanks was in game week two, in which he just didn't play. So four goals right. and two assists. This isn't bad. Uh, it, I think. Yeah, I think if if you were just trying to like be conservative, not be clever, not overthink it, just moving straight up. Salah to Sterling is the right move. Yeah, right. Yeah. If you're just if you're playing to be smart this season, that is. I think the the cleanest move. Yeah. Um, you know, Mane maybe a little. Mane is right there too, um, just because you know I still trust that he's going to recover his form a little bit. But um, uh, but maybe, you know, I, mean, I don't know. Like, does he get the same number of opportunities if if Salah's not on the pitch, right? Yeah. And if he's not like commanding uh, so much attention from the opposing team? Yeah. All right. Last forward question comes from FPL Dylan. It's back to Glenn Murray. Oh my god. Yeah, I should have put a tr- trigger warning on this Ugh. one, Brandon. Yeah, so I guess how do, how do we answer this question? Let's think about okay the three. Well, there are a lot of strikers in this price range. You've got Callum Wilson and Josh King. You've got Arnie. You've got right. Mitrovic. You've got Glenn Murray. I don't know. Do you want to throw uh, mm-hmm. Troy Deeney in there just just for the heck of it? 
No, no, <laughs> where I don't. he's a Brazilian legend, Brandon Troidini, but no, I yeah, don't. Yeah, do should Troidini have to go to Brazil for the international break? It's not quite... <laughs> yeah, he did. So, yeah, yeah. where does Glenn Murray rank among the six to seven million strike force for you? Is he top three? Is he top one? Uh, is he top one? Uh, no, I, he's not. He's not top. What I'm asking you is, one. did I make the right move? <laughs> Tell me, Daddy, that I made the right move taking Arnatovich over Glenn Murray long term. I, I honestly don't know. I don't know if he did, uh, but I don't think it's like a. I think it's like a coin flip. I mean, yeah, in the short term it costs you eight points, but uh, long term is it? You know, will it? Will does that even out? Like it may. I mean, the, the issue with Arnie is this this knee. You know, like I'm still what knee? I know he keeps playing There's with no it, knee. but the, he's got a knee injury. He's left the match twice now in the season with a knee injury. Uh, did play in the international, scored a goal. So I mean, clearly he's probably fine. Uh, where do I rank Murray? I mean, the, the fixtures are the biggest issue though. They have great fixtures, and you know he's and he's on pens. Uh, so. I mean, do I like him more than Jimenez, Ings, King? I mean, I might. I actually think I probably do prefer Arnie over Murray. Uh, I might go Mitrovic, Arnie, Murray. Okay. That might be my order. I, Jimenez, I think, is is great value just because he's so cheap. Sure. Um, I don't think you get the same level of returns from him, but I like the Wolves attack. And I think if you were getting those kind of returns from a 5.5 million midfielder, you'd be thrilled. Yeah. You know, so I think you have to think of him as like more like a mid. There's a little Olivier Giroux about Raul Jimenez, which I yeah. like. He, he's he's good. At, he's a good team player. Also at the top of the goals have been at table, though, too. Uh, had some great chances the last couple of matches. So, uh, yeah, Jimenez, I think, is still a great option, especially at, a, at, the, at that price. We've answered a lot of these midfielder questions already. FPL Boffin just sends yeah. in a bunch of screaming faces with Salah. Yeah, let's just move past the midfield. I think we talked about it a lot already. Um, let's move on to defenders, Brandon. Cool. FPL Jim kicks it off. Best defensive assets for the next four game weeks. You mentioned him earlier. I think it's Andy Robertson by a country mile. I think he is um, up there with the best defensive bets. You're looking at Liverpool's fixtures coming up. Huddersfield, yeah. Cardiff, Arsenal, Fulham, Watford. So, yeah, Andy Robertson uh, definitely coming back around on Man City defense. Mendy is yeah. back from injury. Interesting. A little worried about Mendy and Sané maybe, <clears throat> maybe you know, maybe playing, like maybe, yeah. maybe rotating starts a little bit. Yep. So then you're on Kyle Walker. He's he's expensive, but he's a little more yeah. assured of starts. Yeah, uh, I think uh, if you if you want to go non-fullback, I mean, I think Laporte has yep. been proven to be a pretty consistent yep. starter. He's kind of in that Otamendi role this year, where it's just it seems like he kind of yeah, except he can actually tackle, rotation. Yeah. right? And he can score a little bit too. Yeah, um, one goal yeah. in the season so far. So yeah, I, I, still, I think yeah. Laporte, Walker, and even Ederson, if you're looking in uh, to switch up your goalkeeper, go a little more premium. I think all three of those guys are very viable options yeah. for the next four game weeks. I still like uh, I like the Wolves defense a lot. Um, I mean, Rudy Patricio was he racked up four bonus points in the last two matches. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think the same way about Matt D and and uh, Johnny. If you want to be a little bit different, um, and uh, I think yeah, um, I think I think you pretty much nailed it though. Um, I still think Alonzo is is great. You know, is just a, a player that's that you. 
the, you know, that I have no issue holding on to at, at 7 yeah. million. Um, just, yep. I, I think that that defense has proven to be a lot more solid than I expected it to be. Um, yep. And he just has, you know, ever present goal threat. I think DeAndre Yedlin uh, warrants a mention here too. We, we uh, sure. ch- uh, chimed in about Newcastle's great run coming up at a 4.5. I think he's priced at now. That's yeah, good. it just feels weird. Yeah, I mean, there, we had a question about um, Annie Martin says, a time for one Newcastle asset, if yes, then which one? Yedlin is the one that I would look at too. Uh, I wish that LaSalle's was 4.5 million as well, in which case I would recommend him. It seems yeah. a little expensive at 5 million. The problem is, I just, like, I want Newcastle to win a game first. <laughs> you know, it's like winless and on, and on the season. And I know that, like, we're talking about fantasy and not real life, but it just it makes me, like, wary of having any other players, you know? Because yeah. I'm just like, I mean, win a game before I like, consider, yeah. you know, bringing any of your any of your players as, as fantasy assets. Yeah, Matt Ritchie is the one player that kind of sticks out for me as a Newcastle player that I would want for this run. He hasn't done a whole lot this season, but he is that yeah. sort of. I mean, he's he's shy of talismanic stature at Newcastle. Yeah, Kennedy, but, maybe Kennedy at four point nine million. You know, that's not a bad option. I don't know, but new, but but Matt Ritchie's set piece guy. Can strike a ball from outside the box, uh, but yeah, five point nine—it's kind of a terrible price for him. Yeah, and I feel like I feel like this whole Newcastle team is like won the award this season for team I've watched the least. You know, like I feel like I've barely watched any of their matches this season. I think I watched the Newcastle um, Cardiff match, and that was like one of the few I watched all all year. They just they have they've just not had a. I guess the Man City Liverpool match, or I mean, the, I mean the Man City uh, Newcastle match too, but. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think Brighton too, you know, kept a clean sheet at home to West Ham. Uh, also have a great run of fixtures. Um, you know, I think their defense is, you know, I, I like Duffy maybe, right. Who has like a little bit of goal threat, um, you know, cheap, right. 4.5 million. So I dodged uh, the, uh, price drop on Maddie Ryan as my rotating goalkeeper. He was ever so close to dropping and Brighton's fixtures have turned just in the nick of time for me. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, Anthony, Anthony, uh, Knockert, uh, is also an option, uh, or could try hard as we call him, uh, you know, 5.5 million is kind of in that Jimenez range where you're like, you don't need that much from him to justify, you know, having him in your squad. Uh, West Ham is the other team that we perhaps are overlooking question from Tom Campbell. How do you guys feel about West Ham over the next few game weeks? Let's take Arnie out of it and look at the rest of the squad. Any options you like? This is a... Is West Ham good enough for us to look past Arnie Yarmolenko and Felipe Anderson? I, I don't think they're at that point yet. I think Arnie will be, have, will have the most goal involvement. I'm, I'm not ready right. to consider West Ham beyond him. I just wish they weren't so expensive. They're priced like a team like it's going to finish sixth this year or something. Like they're 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 more expensive than like the Everton midfielders. Like I, how I, how are Felipe Anderson, Yarmolenko both six point eight million right now? It just seems like <laughs> insanely high to me. Uh, given I mean West Ham weren't that good last season. It's just weird. Uh, yes, yeah, so, I mean I don't know how you could have really any. I mean I actually have Fabianski in my team, uh, and I think on a wild card. I, I, I think he rotates a little bit better with uh, Patricio than Matt Ryan does. Um, so I like if, – if I was wildcarding, I might go Fabianski and Patricio as a, as a duo. Um, but that's pretty much it. I mean, I yeah, there's – the defenders – I mean, who would you have? I don't know. I mean, like 
Zabalon None. is down to 4.3 None. million, but there's, there's really nobody. We, right? we, we, nobody. Can, we can save five minutes of this podcast by, by not even answering that, that question. <laughs> okay. But you, but well, let's, let's fill that uh, five minutes with a little Sigurdsson talk because, um, Siggy didn't make it into the running order, but he has piqued my interest. He's returning to his old Swansea city heroic form. And yeah. at 7.4, he is actually more expensive than some of these West Ham guys, but. How intriguing is him? Is he? Uh, I don't know. Still not that intriguing to me. I, I, I'd rather have a Charleston. Charleston lined up as a striker this last game week, and he's 0.7 cheaper, 0.7 million cheaper. So um, I don't know. I, I guess I, I don't trust Gilfie still. Mm-hmm. I mean, He's getting kind of old too. I don't know. I just like <laughs> this. Sounds like a guy who's heavily invested in Richarlison right now. No, no. It's it sounds like a guy who's watched Gilfie the last year and a half at Everton <laughs> basically suck, uh, and you know now he's starting together two good matches. I just, I just, I'm not, I'm not feeling it yet. But I mean, I agree. I mean, I like Gilfie a lot as a player. I mean, I'm yeah. still sad that he basically resigned Swansea relegation by leaving the club last year. Uh, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just not totally sold. I, I, I will not argue with you. I'm just totally not sold on that Everton team. Full stop. Still, still yeah. putting Marco Silva in that squarely in that snake oil salesman category. Yeah, that's fair. All right, Brad, let's take a quick break. We're going to come back with the lightning round and then a little bit of London trip talk. All right, let's take a quick minute for our good friends at Starting Eleven. It's the daily fantasy app for your iPhone or Android in which you can put a fantasy Premier League team together and bet for cash prizes. Josh, while we were in London, uh, we were able to uh, walk into betting parlors, and Nick actually helped us place some bets on his own mobile phone, and it, it got our juices flowing for, in terms of gambling on Premier League. It really did. Uh, and it was, you know, I ended up basically throwing my money away because I don't know anything about actual sports betting, but I do know a lot about fantasy and people who listen to this podcast also do. Uh, and so if I was to spend some money gambling on fantasy, I want to do it in a game that I understand. Starting 11 is the perfect outlet for it. Absolutely. Cash games are live in the UK, US, Canada, and Germany for your iOS phone. You can play for free on your Android. Cash games are coming soon. But you're exactly right. It's it's like a souped up version of FPL. You can play any day in which there are two or more Premier League matches. You have no budget restrictions. You can adjust your lineup right up until kickoff. So when those team sheets uh, come out, you can adjust your lineup. And you get three in-game substitutions so you can uh, affect the outcome of your bets or your competitions with your friends on the fly. Mini leagues right, are exactly. coming soon to starting 11. So look forward to that. And uh, you can visit starting11.io for more information or just go to your favorite app store, Google Play Store or iPhone App Store and download the app today. Yeah, exactly. And there's an old podcast uh, from a couple weeks ago where you can listen to an interview with uh, Starting 11 co-founder Thomas Braun and you can learn more about the app. But as Brandon said, go to starting11, starting11.io uh, to learn more. There's video tutorials that walk you through everything, uh, make you feel like you uh you know, walking into something that's really cool and fun and, and safe. So, yeah, definitely check it out. Brandon, we're back. Part two, lightning round. Every question gets an answer 30 seconds or less. At a P, is the potential return of Lacazette worth the ruining of the hollowed pure watch? 
as an Arsenal fan. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, what's more fun than a pure watch than a, a watch in which your fantasy assets are scoring buckets of points? <laughs> yeah, I uh, the pure watch is dead for me now. I every match seems to to matter to me. I, <laughs> yeah, even like, even I if you don't yeah. have a fantasy asset, somebody else has a fantasy asset in the pure watch. <laughs> somebody out there, exactly. Even if it's even Cardiff Huddersfield is a match where I'll I'll still I'll be rooting for somebody. I'll be like, ah, oh, someone's starting to sell bomb at this match. I can't let that. Philip Billing, the most. A popular 4.5 fifth midfielder <laughs> could do something in this match. Uh, FPL Wildcard says Lacazette or Vardy? Ugh, this is a tricky one. Vardy definitely bubbling up right now. Let's see. Let's yep. look at Leicester's fixtures coming up. Uh, their Arsenal in game week nine. Then it's a nice run. West Ham, Cardiff, Burnley, Brighton. The question for me is a lot of us are probably sitting on James Madison. Do you feel right. like you want to double up on Lester? And I think I err toward no, I do not. Yeah, I I don't want to double up on uh, on them either. I, you know, if I didn't have Madison, um, let's say I had Frazier in that role or just you know somebody else entirely. Um, you know, Vardy. I mean, you know, le, his numbers are kind of strange uh, because mm-hmm. because of that three game suspension. Um, but you know, he does have an eleven point return, an eight point return, in uh, two of the last three. You know, about as pure a goal scorer as, as there is in the league, maybe maybe after Aguero. Um, you know, he's uh, he's owned by four point nine percent of managers. So he's owned by nobody. Mm-hmm. So kind of a fun you know wild card option if you just want to if you want to make up some points, but not but not be insane in terms of how risky you want to be. Uh, and maybe you can't quite afford Lacazette. Um, then yeah, I, I think I like Vardy. Um, maybe answer this Arsenal thing. Although God, I've already loved scoring an Arsenal match. So I, you know, I don't really see that as a problem either. Um, so yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm into it, but I, I agree that if, if you have Madison, I don't think I'd be doubling up. Hey, uh, flip a coin, FPL wild card. See what you get. <laughs> Next question is from Harold. How do we feel about Zaha? Yay, nay, wait and see. That's a big nay from me. Yeah, it's it's a big nay for me too. Uh, the real problem here is not Zaha so much as there's no one in the midfield to get him the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's no link up play really. Uh, just it doesn't. There's no there's no attacking midfield. I mean, you have you have Andros Townsend, but Andros Townsend doesn't pass the ball. You know, I mean, Andros Townsend his whole goal is to score screamers from outside the box. Uh, you know, he's basically worthless. Uh, I really don't like Andros Townsend. I have to say, playing right? with Andros Townsend is uh, for for my FIFA friends out there. It's like getting into an online drop in match, and Andros Townsend is the person on the uh, other end of the internet connection that's just trying busy trying to break the game. <laughs> so yeah, I, it's a nay for me as well. Brand the London Lightning round. We we got to it real fast. Uh, <laughs> Okay, before we even we have we have three questions here. Before we even get to that, uh, we went to four stadiums. Rank the stadiums for us, Brandon. Just to, just to recap, we went to the Amex, we went to Wembley, we went to Craven Cottage, we went to Stamford Bridge. What was your favorite of the four? Uh, Craven Cottage is uh, was not a disappointment at all. Everyone raved. This is one of the best grounds in in London, if not the league. I loved it. I felt like I was in uh, a totally, wholly unique, uh, welcoming, uh, happy place. And uh, yeah. I loved it. Stamford Bridge is a close second. <laughs> you know, same part of town. And as a Fulham fan, I know I should look down my nose at Chelsea. But 
Uh, we talked about this when we got inside the the ground and found our seats. It felt like the perfect size Stanford Bridge. It was yeah. just yes. big enough to where it it felt like a competitive environment for, and intimidating, yeah. but it was small yep. enough to where you, we felt close to the field. I mean, to see Hazard like that close to us in peak form, it was it was brilliant. And like I said, I really love their their uh, halftime beers, uh, second to none. Uh, <laughs> Wembley was very much an American experience. It was the height yeah, of luxury. It was stadium. clean living. Yep. I mean, going yep. with diehard Spurs fans, James and Rosie, they kept apologizing to us. Like, this is not this is not the lane. This is yeah. not the experience play, we want you to have. And seeing them play Cardiff, that, that may have skewed things as well, right? I mean, it just that it was a very rainy day. Yeah. If, if you were ever, if you were season ticket holder, if you were ever going to take a match off, it was probably that one, right? Yeah, but, but, but that said, I mean, we got beers at the center circle this bar um right in the grounds with nick and it was yeah. it was so civilized everything was clean and nice yeah. and they had nice beers on tap <laughs> um yeah. so just just for that alone i uh i would rank it above the amex which was the sleepiest ground we went to it was it's a newer stadium but it was a bit drab the atmosphere was pretty flat Except for, I was surprised because uh, yeah. I've heard great things. I know that you know. I know that Brighton have a great. Uh, I don't know if it was because it was a Friday night match and it's a little bit different. Uh, it was also you know we were right next to the West Ham section and they were like going bonkers the whole they game. Sure so were. That, yeah. that might have been part of it. Um, I got a very nice flag, uh, which I was very <laughs> excited about. I did have the worst burger of my life. I, a, a burger that I needed. A we, we've, we've now we don't uh, memorialize on our Facebook page, but I. Uh, yeah, it was perhaps I the driest entire... sandwich I've ever put in my mouth. Yes, <laughs> I needed an entire pint uh, just just to get that beer done. We were so hungry. It was I did go to the bathroom and I was hungry. It was a real. I was a mess at eight o'clock that day. Uh, we had been walking the city all day, but um, yeah. So I, I feel like I, I don't want to like you know badmouth the Amex or, or Brighton fans, but um, I, I think I agree with you that of the four, that was my my least favorite stadium experience. Um, I will actually put Stanford Bridge above. Uh, Craven Cottage. I mean, Craven Cottage was so cool. Like it was just so neat to go through these like turnstiles that if you were like, <laughs> you literally can't be a fan if you're too fat. You can't right? be an always be cheating listener with your 4XL t-shirt <laughs> getting into the you're cottage. In. See, they, they were doors for <laughs> hobbits. It was, it was incredible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I thought uh, Stanford Bridge was the one that felt the most exciting. And, uh, and that was for, a, you know, a Europa League match to VD. And I was like, wow, oh, like this, no one's going to be here. And it was, you know, sold out, crazy crowd. Um, I was really charmed by the, and I'm not, a, I'm not a, you know, Chelsea supporter at all, but, uh, I was really impressed. And, and like that, that is a stadium experience I would recommend to somebody. If they were like, oh, I want to go to the UK and like watch like a real Premier League match, I think that that'd be up there for me. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, should we get to some of these questions we have about, about our sure. trip? Yeah. First one here from yeah. Red Dagger. What was the ideal beer drinking formation during your trip to England? Did you down pints in groups of 442? <laughs> what uh-huh. was your choice of premium beer? And did you leave those Amex Stadium burgers? Coming back to those burgers on the bench. <laughs> um, that was my first free transfer. I got rid of my Amex burger. Um, so, uh, James Red Dagger, <laughs> I got a lot rid of, of questions. It in my belly somehow. I don't know how I got through it. Yeah. So what did you think about the, the drinking culture while we were in London? 
it was great. I mean, you and I, like, we were drinking from noon the day we got there, and mm-hmm. we didn't stop the entire time. It was it was fantastic. We found, uh, was it Five Points? There Five was a, Points a, Pale Ale was delicious. It was served yeah. at the, uh, the pub that was right down the street from where we were staying in Camden Town. Also, speaking of Camden, yeah. uh, we did go to a number of bars that had Camden Brewery beers on, on tap, which I found to be pretty delicious. Yeah, yeah, and we had a yeah. The Edinburgh Castle had some had some great beers on tap as well. Uh, yeah, I was impressed with uh, the, the whole bar culture there. It was it was very you know. I mean, the only issue is that it, it's it closes at you know <laughs> eleven or whatever. Yeah. You know, in America, especially in you know New York, the bars are open until four a.m. So yeah, uh, I was you know we, we did end up at this bar called the World's End, um, which uh, in Canada, which is really fun, and I kind of. Uh, I, I crashed there and I, I knew it was getting late because that was the, my, maybe my second favorite moment of the trip, uh, which is when we're all talking quietly and a very tall man that I had never seen at any point during the entire course of the meetup yeah. uh, walks over and you just go, hey, Mish. Hey, Mish. My, and my you new run best over to friend. Embrace, mm-hmm. You run over to embrace your new best friend, Hamish. And uh, uh, yeah, you were just like you, you and Hamish had like a real, real thing going on. Hamish, like a, Hamish yeah, and I are now uh, we're now hooked up on LinkedIn. I think we're going to go in on a small business together. So <laughs> Hamish, I know you're wonderful. out there listening. Send me your ideas. Let's make this happen. <laughs> Uh, so that was, uh, yeah, Jurgen uh, Rock Fog uh, said, uh, how do you deal with the pubs and the beer in the UK? Sorry. One thing we noticed about pubs, though, was uh, nobody works for tips. So we're used to uh, bartenders being our new best friends here in the States because they're just right. milking you for as, as many tips as they can. Uh, there right. were some very unfeeling, uncaring bartenders in England. I'm fine with that. Uh, but it was <laughs> it was just strange to adjust. Yeah, it was harder for me. I think I am used to like I love a, I, I have a, a like disproportionate love of good customer service. Uh, but yeah, I thought. I mean, in general, I thought the service was, was fine. Yeah, we had that just the the one waitress that you're talking about. I can remember her. <laughs> you know who you are clearly still. Uh, KGFPL says, uh, would you watch Fulham uh, v Arsenal? Did you sit with the home or away fans? Uh, just wondering which of you had to keep quiet when the first goal went in. Um, I says, I don't think I can manage to keep my reaction to the checks. So a fair play to you both. Uh, we were very much in the Fulham section. Yeah. We're the Johnny Haynes stand. Yeah. We're in the fourth row. Uh, we, it turned out we were in the row right before the row where you got dripped on by the stadium. <laughs> yeah. <by> the overhang. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we were in the home section. We were, but we were still firmly in the anti anti Anguisa section. Uh, just to be clear about <laughs> yeah. that, it, it was great. They you, didn't love Sari either. It was yeah. too. Yeah, you, it was not a great time to be a yeah. A, so as an right. as an Arsenal supporter, I think you were on your best behavior. Though I did notice it numerous times you were nodding your head and tapping your feet enthusiastically to the beat of Arsenal chants <laughs> in the away section. It was a good. I was impressed with, them with the away. The away support was very solid there as well. Actually, slightly better than the West Ham away support. I think. Um, yeah, it was. I, granted, it was a little bit closer, uh, yeah, distance wise. Uh, but yeah, I thought uh, I was impressed with Nacho Monreal and how angry he was. Um, yeah. I mean, he was like he was yelling at shadows. It was like he, he was. just ran around screaming. I mean, all he time. was basically playing in uh, in right field the entire game. Or the uh, <laughs> uh, let's yeah. use a baseball metaphor. Like it, he just had no worries or concerns except for what his teammates were doing clear on the other side of the pitch. 
Yeah, well, very, very my, angry. My favorite moment, though, I mean, it was a drubbing to end all drubbings for Fulham. But at least yeah. for us to be in the home section for Fulham and Sherla's goal was a tying goal. It was a goal that at that yeah. point in time it mattered. So yep. it, it was fulfilling for me to be in that environment and to cheer with my fellow Fulham supporters a home goal that, that mattered at that time. So that was really thrilling yeah, we, and one of the high points. We got to... We got to go into halftime with a one-one draw. It felt like everything was was still possible, and yeah, um, yeah, it was just nice to see it more more than one goal. I mean, that was the the, fir- the first three games we'd gone to were all uh, were all one nils. Uh, so to have uh, to have more than one goal in a match was uh, was a change of pace. Yeah, yeah exactly. So uh, would we? Any final takeaways though? Yeah, yeah, would we do it again? I mean, it was it was a feat of logistics for us to do the four matches in four days. It took yeah. a home Europa match for a London team. Think for us to to do yeah. to to lock in that fourth match. I mean, my my takeaway is is I'm just glad that we we've done it. I, I yeah. Uh, some people would ask, will we now watch games differently here in the states on television? And I, we're we've both been watching the Premier League for for a decade now. We're we're huge diehard fans. Longer, yeah. We understand yeah. the game, but. I think I now f- will feel much more emotionally, not not to sound really corny, but I think I'll be more emotionally connected to what I'm seeing on TV now, seeing a lot of this pitch level. So um, I think it was really worthwhile and exciting for that reason. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting. I mean, we watched the uh, Fulham Arsenal match and then. Uh, you know, even though we were in London for only one last day, we decided to just go to the bar and watch even more matches once that was done. Um, and uh, even even though we, we, I have to admit, I feel bad because there were some people like like Andy, um, two Andys, Andy Goodlin and Andy Burnby, who we uh, we both talked about watching matches with. And I, I had to beg off. I mean, I was really uh, I was we done. had to go sit in a pub alone in silence and sort of just <laughs> mentally, emotionally recover yeah. from the last four days. Yeah. Although the feat of uh, ingenuity for us to somehow somehow watch like sixty five minutes of Man United <laughs> Newcastle and miss all yeah, five of the yeah. goals uh, that was pretty impressive. Yeah. yeah, we got there just after the second goal was scored and left right before the final three were scored. Manchester United will disappoint fans in any which way. <laughs> any way. Which way? Yeah, I think if we did it again, I think I would probably I, I would try to arrange. We got kind of lucky this time because the Friday night match. Um, and the Europa League match, you know, gave us a chance. I mean, not, it's not easy to see four matches in four days in, in the UK um, in general, but um, I guess you go the other way. You could do Saturday, Sunday, and then Monday if there was a Monday fixture and Tuesday uh, with the, uh, the uh, Champions League uh, Champions League match. But I think if we did it again, I would want to fly, maybe f- even fly into Liverpool or Manche- you know Manchester, spend a day or two there, and then take a train down and spend the second half of the trip in London. You know, I want to, I really want to get the 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 northern experience as well i think that's the that's the one thing we didn't get in the uk we just have to start checking all these grounds off of our list so uh we'll we'll get the always cheating uh premier league ground passport together yeah i mean yeah i want to go to the new spurs stadium you know obviously i didn't get a chance to go to the emirates um you know i mean to go to anfield would be you know amazing so um uh, yeah, so I think you know the goal. I think is to is to get back there, you know, as soon as possible. Um, if not next year, then definitely by the by the following year. All right, should we talk quickly about game week nine? The matter at hand. Uh, 
I mean, sure. I mean, I, I do know you you fa- fancy yourself a real Rick Steves of of the UK, but maybe we should <laughs> maybe we should just for our for our listeners preview game uh-huh. week nine. So your captaincy is on Man City all the way. If we get news that liver that uh, Salah will likely start for Liverpool, do you, are you considering captaining Salah against Huddersfield? No. No, I'm not. Uh, I, it'd be too risky. I think even even if even if he was fit, he might be he might be uh, rested anyway. Yeah. You know, um, just to be safe. So I I I don't see. Uh, I mean, to me, the bigger question is uh, Hazard at home uh, to Man United. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the one that I would consider captaining over uh, over Salah. What an exceptional humiliation for Jose. I mean, I, I don't know if it's possible for Jose Mourinho to be humiliated more than he has in recent memory like maybe he's just immune to all that but for uh-huh. for uh chelsea to just annihilate him at stanford bridge would would be very interesting to watch <laughs> yeah uh i it it could happen i i don't know i don't i I don't really want to captain Hazard for that one because I don't. It's not even so much that it's the first match of the of the weekend, yeah. um, although that is a slight factor. I won't pretend it's not. Um, but I think part of it is I would kind of believe any range of score lines there. Yeah. I, I don't necessarily see it as one where Hazard gets a brace. I mean, I, I mean, like you know, it wouldn't like stun me yeah. if that's what happened. But I, you know, I, I could see him scoring. I, I don't know. I just don't. I don't. It just seems a little too risky when you've got. Aguero at home to Burnley. Yeah, and the likelihood that Jose sets up for uh, sort of damage limitation at Stamford Bridge, the anti-humiliation formation is is definitely likely. I have my uh, captaincy and my bus team on Salah right now. The injury news, I think, definitely, like, emphatically steers me away from him, as you're saying, Josh, like, regardless of the outcome yeah. of any pressers. And... Um, and Mitrovic, the perpetual vice captain, when you do the season uh, roll up of this is who was most captained in your squad, this is who was most vice captained, I think Mitro is going to be my most vice captained for the season. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And OK, I have one last uh, one last thought looking at these fixtures. I think in some ways it's pretty straightforward otherwise. Right. I mean, um, you know, I, I mean, is there, any, is, there any, is there any other matches you want to talk about that you're particularly interested in i mean chelsea man united is we talked about that a little bit but um yeah i mean i, I will know. say it's like a pretty yeah. i will say full of cardiff will be a big test and uh, it's a big test mm-hmm. in the league and it will be a big fpl test because if metro blanks he's out for everyone i would assume so definitely watching that one closely bournemouth southampton uh will be could be a breakout game for bournemouth attacker owners and king wilson yeah. Fraser has been a little I mean, how quiet. How many breakout <laughs> games do they need? It's like it's amazing how many good matches they've had. Yeah, not not, not to say that they haven't, but um, I know there were there is kind of a. I think Fraser is kind of a differential in the top 100k for some people at this point. Yeah, I I, I think so. Um, he is he's flagged right now. I, I don't know if that's like the same minor knock that he had last time. I, I mean, I don't see that as a big concern. Yeah. Um, it would be really tempting to just move Mitro back to Josh, to just go back to Josh King. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, I mean, their next two fixtures are so good. Uh, home to Southampton, away to Fulham. Um, not having any Bournemouth coverage, I'm feeling a little um, a little anxious about that one. I, I, I would like to have somebody. I, I don't really 
realistically think I will, but it would be nice. Yeah. Uh, West Ham Spurs is going to be an exciting, interesting match. I'm not sure how to predict that one, particularly with Spurs being away. Um, yeah. Hard one to call. See that as a Spurs win. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I see that as a Spurs win. Uh, they've just been they've they've sort of found a way this year. It's a veteran team, you know. Even even with the injuries, it feels like they're sort of they're grinding it out right now. Yeah, and Eric, Erickson the, could conceivably be back for this match. Is is that right? I thought it was going to be a little longer than that, but yeah. Um, so that would that would definitely change things too. Um, it, you know, it's just just having a Spurs midfielder who you could bring into your team would be a, a change, right? I mean, I think Lucas Moore now feels like uh, you know the the kind of the fun is over with him. Um, you know, I don't know. I feel like uh, it'd be nice to have Erickson back, but I obviously you can't bring him in going into a game like that. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. Um, and then the one, one last question is just uh, the Arsenal play Leicester on Monday. And just a question for anybody who's still listening this, this long into the podcast. Would you prefer that we did a Sunday night podcast that was available for you to listen to Monday morning, even if it meant that we, didn't talk about Arsenal Leicester or would you prefer that we waited until all 10 matches were done and do a podcast that Monday night? Cause I, I I'm sort of like, if it's a huge match, like I feel like there's like a mix Spurs man city is next weekend on a Monday. That That's a little different. I feel like, but for a match like that, it has some fantasy implications, but not huge. Um, I'm just curious whether people like having the Monday morning pod or if it doesn't really matter to them, they just listen on Tuesday. Here's the third option. Would people prefer that we podcast every night? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's. I think my my. I would, I would definitely get divorced. <laughs> I, I, would, I would. I would. I would be divorced. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I'm not. I hope we helped people in their decision making. I think there's a lot, a lot to think about going into game week yeah, nine. A lot of balls in the yeah, air right so now. Good yeah, luck to sure. everyone. Yeah. Good luck. Uh, yeah. And uh, once again, it's great to meet uh, so many of you. Um, on Saturday last weekend, uh, really great experience. We, we didn't even talk about, you know, FPL Duke and uh, just you know so we did talk about Hamish. You know, I'm happy about it's that. It's all about but, Hamish, uh, Plonker, Chancer, yeah. uh, Jeff Willis, Jeff Petter. Um, uh, yeah, like you said, there's there's no way to go down this list without leaving people out. I mean, we we, we met yeah. Tom Can, yeah. Can three five we who met, we yeah. met Tom yeah. Cancel, but also his. Uh, podcasting partner Nick and uh, Tom Campbell. We didn't talk about tall Tom Campbell. Well, he was a good foot foot taller than I was expecting. What a, a tall off with Hamish and Tom Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, thanks, everybody. Good luck this weekend. Um, and oh, John, you, I mean, you one, one, one last shout out. Aaron Boyle, oh, yeah. who gave us a tour of the Lloyds of oh, London of uh, building. Oh, Aaron, I hope yeah. you're listening. You are a god among men. And uh, we can't thank you enough for your hospitality. Yeah, that was yeah, it was an amazing experience. Yeah, thank you, Aaron. And uh, uh, yeah, if you want to hear more about the trip, we actually did a couple of dispatches uh, that we posted on our Slack page uh, for Patreon supporters. So if you pop on there, you can um, you can listen to some of our daily dispatches uh, when we were in the UK. Perfect segue into our sign off, Josh. Become a Patreon supporter of the podcast. Go to patreon.com slash always cheating. Our producer thank yous as usual. Mike DiPietro, Stephen Toomey, Sam Streak, Jacob Roberts, Nick Costello, Carl's Rasmus, Lean Granley, Chris Howell, Rafi Khan, Martin Savage, Rick Brailsford, Jim Payne, Adam Benjamin, Max Chamberlain, Brian T., and Trevor Ingerson. Josh, you have to subscribe if you haven't already to the Always Cheating Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Acast, TuneIn, Pocket Cast, wherever you get your podcasts except Spotify. 
Give us a five-star review on iTunes. Leave a <laughs> review if you'd be so kind. Also, follow us where, Joshua? On Twitter, at Hail Cheaters. That's H-A-L Cheaters. Follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash alwayscheating. Uh, email us anytime, uh, hailcheaters at gmail.com. And visit our website for all this information and more. Uh, alwayscheating.com is that link. Beautiful. And I will leave you by saying Poku forever. Ah, uh, yes. And I will say uh, hail London, Brandon. That's, that's my final words for this week's podcast. Hail London. London is calling. And we'll be back next week with another podcast. Also, we'll go back to London. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.